excuse me, I'll be back in a moment, went off to the side, went out the door, found a Kleenex, blowed my nose, come back in, and continued on. So I brought one today. The only problem is I have to turn my back in order to take care of it. I didn't think it would be very appropriate. Is this online? (laughs) Don't invite any of your friends to watch this, please. That's what I don't like about streamlining or whatever they call that stuff. But if you're going to receive the Word of God, you first of all have to know Him. And secondly, you're going to have to clean up in order to know what He has for you. You can't come and receive from God with a dirty, defiled, and sinful heart. Notice what he says. Lay apart. That word lay apart just simply means that you're going to have to get rid of some things in your life. The instruction is very clear and very simple. You can't have unconfessed sin in your life and God is going to speak to you. Get rid of it and all of a sudden the instruction begins over and over and over again. That word lay aside means to strip away. It means to turn away from it. And so to get what God has for you, you're going to have to clean up your life. You're going to have to confess your sin. You're going to have to forsake them. You're going to have to repent of them. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 13 and verse number 4 to cast off the works of darkness. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse number 22 that we're to put off concerning the former conversation of life. Aren't you thankful that when you come to Jesus, the things that you used to do lose their desires, their interest, and control in your life? Put it off. But then he also tells us quite clearly and precisely what we need to get rid of, the impurities of life. He said those things that are dirty, those things that are defiling, those things that are unclean all need to be forsaken. So what's unclean in our lives? What's dirty in our life? What are those things that are defiling in our life that we need to deal with and get rid of so we can hear and receive and obey what God has for us? Anything that is contrary to the will of God needs to be forsaken. Can I say it again? Everything that is contrary to the will of God needs to be forsaken. How do we know the will of God? You're going to find it in the Word of God. And that's why we have those lists of things that God said, these defile, these contaminate, these ruin, these destroy. All need to be confessed and forsaken in life. Have you ever earnestly prayed and said, Lord, if there's anything in my life that is displeasing to you, show it to me. Some thought, some attitude, some reaction. And and don't tell me you don't have reactions. Just get out on Interstate 81 and you'll have reactions. (laughs) That big old 18-wheeler that comes plowing down the highway, you're driving along 70 mile an hour. He's gone about 185 an hour, pulls right up on your bumper, Get out of my way, and you don't have a reaction to that? Or 
those two cars, one in this lane, one in that lane. You're trying to get around that car. You've got places to go, things to do. And they're just poking along on an interstate that you can go 105 mile an hour on. And you don't have a reaction. You're not living in the same lane I'm living in then. <laughs> Irritating. Go to Walmart. You'll face all kinds of irritations there. I'm, I'm glad they did away with those blue light specials. Never ceased to amaze me that the moment that you got in line, someone had a price check, and you had to stand there in line waiting for them to go find out the price check, and you're impatiently waiting to get out of that place. <clears throat> the only place I like to see a crowd is in church. That's what I don't like about Walmart. Too many people there. And I've never understood women and how they shop. <laughs> never understood that. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out. Um, Dee and I have been married for over 60 years now. And when she says, let's go shopping, I shudder. <laughs> what are we going for? I don't know. Am I right, fellas? I know you can't say amen right now if your wife is sitting beside you. I understand that. And I'm glad that my wife isn't too technical when it comes to computers and iPads and all of that stuff, so she's not listening to me online today. <laughs> well, how are you going to know you found it if you don't know what you're looking for? Oh, I'll know. So you go to the purse department. Are you looking for a new purse today? No. What are we doing here then? Well, then we go to the dress department. Oh, you want a new dress today? I'll buy you a new dress. You want a dress? No. Well, what are we doing in the dress department? Am, am I right, Eddie? When, when you want a new belt, where do you go? You, know, you, go, you go to where the belts are. You find the belt you want. You get the belt. You go out to the checkout counter, and hopefully you don't get in someone that has to have a price check. You buy that belt, and you get out of there. I don't have to go to the meat department. I don't have to go to the purse department. I don't have to go to the underwear department. I go to the belt department because I want a belt. I don't know how I got on that one, but <laughs> there's things that you have to get rid of in life. Shopping is one of them. Shopping with your wife is one of them. I just don't understand women when it comes to shopping. So, preacher, when you figure it out, let me know, would you? <laughs> and he said, not only do you need to get rid of those things that are defiling and, and dirty and unnecessary in your life, but the superfluity of all of that needs to be cast away. Now, what does that word superfluity mean? It means the abundance of it. That says to me that it's possible to be abundantly filled with dirt, and garbage that needs to get rid of in our individual life. The abundance of that. Boy, it can pile up in a hurry, can it? One thing leads to another. I thought it was interesting this morning when Brother Tony was talking about the Apostle Paul and the battle that he faced. And I believe that was Paul's battle in Romans chapter 7. You're saying the very things that I want to do, I just can't seem to get done. And the things that I want to refuse, it, it's a battle. I can't get rid of them. That's a battle that every one of us face. 
And so Paul said, you need to get rid of the junk, the garbage. Uh, James backs it up by the superfluity of knowledge, the abundance of all those things. Need to be all to receive what God has for you. I don't know about you, but I come to church every time I come, and I come with my Bible. I come when, in the morning when I open my Bible and I begin the day. I come with an empty basket that I want filled up. I want it to be overflowing. I want to have the abundance of it, the joy of receiving that, all for the purpose of walking in the light as he is in the light. And he uses that word naughtiness. If you're going to receive it with a clean heart, the superfluity of naughtiness and dirt and garbage needs to be done away with. But then he uses that word naughty. That's self-will. Did you ever meet someone you wanted to hurt? I forget who I was recently talking to. They attacked his wife. And the guy said, I wanted to punch him in the mouth. I mean, it was someone that was attacking this guy's wife. And he said, I just wanted to punch him. He said, what would you do? I'd want to punch him too. There's times that we run into individuals. Boy, I'd really like to hurt that person. James says you better be careful about that. That, that. that superfluity of naughtiness, those feelings of malice and envy and jealousy that can invade your heart, prevent you from getting what God has for you. You miss out on the message. I've heard people say, and I'm sure preachers, you've heard it too, I just didn't get anything out of that message today. Better check your heart. Better check your heart. So if you're going to receive what God has for you, then you're going to have to have a clean heart. And, and the implications of not receiving that are devastating. Notice what he says in verse number 21. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. He's not talking about salvation that brings you into the family of God. He's talking about being delivered from a lot of hurt and disappointment in life because you didn't follow what God said in his word. You obey God, it's going to bring delight and joy and happiness and shelter you from a lot of the tragedies of life. So the first qualification, the first moral qualification to receive what God has for you, clean heart, clean heart. The second thing that I would say to you, if you're going to receive what God has for you, you need to receive it with a yielded spirit. Notice what he says there in verse number 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. That word meekness there means a yielded spirit. It means a teachable spirit. You know there's people sitting in this church this morning, you think you know it all. Just ask them and they'll tell you. They don't have a teachable spirit. Did you ever have a dog that didn't want to listen? I mean, you can beat that thing. You can kick that thing. You can throw it out in the cold. It still won't listen. It's stubborn, bullheaded. There's a lot of church members that are like that. I think I'll just step over here and say amen to that myself, Brother Lane. Amen, that's right. You can't teach me anything, Preacher Ogden. You just don't have anything that's going to help me. 
You can tell me I ought to avoid that. You can tell me I ought to stay away from that. I'm going to do what I want to do. You don't have a teachable spirit. And a lot of times people that come and say, I, I just don't, I, I just really don't know what to do on this. Uh, I, I kind of feel it's wrong. I, I, I kind of feel like I shouldn't do it. Preacher, tell me what I ought to do. Well, you ought not to do it. And they say, well, I think I'll go ahead and do it anyhow. Don't have a teachable spirit. A person that is meek has a gentle spirit that is open to what God has for them. Is that the way you come to church today? I don't know what you have for me, Lord, but I know something, something is going to be there, and I am eager to receive it. The psalmist cried out, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Do you ever pray that prayer? Just asking God to show you, direct you, order your steps in the light of his precious word. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 26, and don't you just love the book of Proverbs? All those principles and things that are laid out for us so clearly. He said in Proverbs 26, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? That, that word conceit is in his own understanding. An individual that sees things and has his own opinion. You ever hear someone say to you, preacher, well, I just don't see it that way. That's your way, not my way. I just don't see it that way. Man's filled with conceit. Conceit. person that is filled with conceit has his own notions in life. I'm going to do what I want to do, the way I want to do it, and when I want to do it. And they miss out on what God really has for them. A teachable spirit leads you to being taught and instructed in the ways of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 1, 5, a wise man will hear and will increase in learning. You know what I've learned? Not only does it increase in learning, but it extends your life as well. When you hear what God has for you and you apply what God has for you and you're walking in the ways God shows you, he said, I, I think I'll just add a few years to your life. Now, I, I don't know about, maybe you're ready to check out. Maybe you're ready to kick the bucket. I don't know. Maybe you can't wait till your body's a, just a decaying body that's a dining invitation to a pack of worms. <laughs> because that's where our bodies are headed when they go in the grave. I'm anxious to go. I just don't want to catch the bus today. There's a whole lot more to do. There's a whole lot more souls to be reached. A whole lot more people that need to be told about the things of God. I'll just let that into the hands of the Lord when he says it's time to go. So a teachable spirit learns to leading and living and learning. And it leads to long life. A teachable spirit also will give you a purpose in life because you want to hear and learn and be led by the good things of the Lord. And you know what else? It leads to blessing. I, I, I want to stand at the spot where the glory comes out. How about you? If God has a blessing, I want it. You say, well, isn't that kind of selfish? No, if God planned it, I want it. Because he never wants to give you a blessing that won't thrill and bless your heart. 
We serve a good God, don't we? You've heard that little expression, God is good. And then the follow-up that goes along with it, all the time, God is good. There's a lot of churches that say that every, every time they have a service. God is good. All the time, God is good. And it's so true. And when he has a blessing, I want it. I want it. Because God is in the blessing business. So we have a teachable spirit if we're going to hear and learn and receive what God has for us. We've got to have a clean heart. We've got to have a teachable spirit that is open to what God is saying in his word. And believe me, when you have that teachable spirit, God is going to teach you. God is going to instruct you. But there's a third thing. So ask yourself the question before I give you the third one. Do I have a clean heart? Well, don't tell me. Don't ask me. Ask the Lord. Lord, do I have a clean heart? Or is it dirty? Defiled? Unclean? Contaminated? Secondly, ask yourself the question or ask the Lord, do I have a teachable spirit? Am I open to what you have? Are you willing and ready to instruct me? And I'm willing to learn and receive. But there's a third thing. If you're going to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul, you not only need a clean heart, you not only need a teachable spirit, but you need to have an obedient life. I'm just going to obey it. I'm just going to do what you say, Lord. In verse number 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When you hear something from this pulpit, from this book, from this Bible, from God's precious word, and he lays it open to you and before you, and you reject that, and you go out that door and never do anything about it, the Bible says you're foolish, you're stupid, you're an individual that does not have an obedient heart and life to do what I have for you. You deceive your own selves. I think the greatest deception in life, Brother Lane, is self-deception. Self-imposed deception. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You're my followers. You're my family. Do you have an obedient life that backs up your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful that the grace of God not only saves you, but the grace of God teaches you and instructs you on how you ought to live that life? It'll teach you, according to Titus, it'll teach you to deny the ungodly, to deny those things in your life, the, the grace of God that saved you and brought you into the family of God will instruct you to lay aside some things in your life, to deny some things in your life, to refuse some things in your life, not to accept some things in your life. It, it'll, it'll teach you about ungodliness and where it's going to lead you and what it's going to do to you if you choose to live an ungodly life. Uh, it, uh, an ungodly life is one that lacks true reverence to the things of the Lord. It'll teach you about worldly lust. 
If it teaches you how to be saved, it'll teach you how the saved ought to live. That's the grace of God. So there's no excuse for you. There's no excuse for me not living in accordance to what God has said in his word. Because grace that saves, grace instructs. It teaches. Teaches you to be sober. That means temperate. That just simply means discreet. It means vigilant. That's what it means to be sober. Teaches you how to be godly. Not only things that we ought to refuse in life, but some things that we ought to accept in life. Being sober, being vigilant, being godly. Teach you about righteousness. Things that are right. Things that are wrong. That's the grace of God will do that. If you're going to receive the word of God, have a clean heart. Have a yielded, teachable spirit. Have an obedient life that backs up what God has said in his word. So where are you with the word of God today? Our ministry is all about placing God's word into the hands of people around the world. Because we know the power of this book. We know the ability of this book. We know what it can do and how it will comfort and help people to know the Lord, to walk in the ways of God, and to be obedient to Him. So where are you today? Do you have that clean heart? Do you have that teachable spirit? Do you have that obedient life that honors Him? Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. In just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation. I wonder how many here this morning can say, Preacher, I, I know I'm saved. I know I'm in the family of God. I can go back and point to a time when the transaction took place, when I recognized that I was a sinner and I asked the Lord to save me. And here's my hand and testimony to that. Can I see your hand all across this auditorium? I know, I know, I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. God bless you, can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning and you couldn't raise your hand with the others. You say, I'm just being honest with you. I'm being honest with myself. I'm being honest before God. I really don't know that heaven is my eternal home. I'd sure like to know that. I'd like to pray for you. I'm not here to single you out and embarrass you. We're, we're here to help you. And if you say, preacher, I'm, I'm being honest, that's me. I really, I struggle with that. I'm just not sure about that. Please pray for me. Would you just slip up your hand and put it back down that we might pray for you? Yes, God bless you. Thank you. Is there another this morning? I'm just not sure about that. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. How about you as a Christian? How about you as a follower of Jesus Christ? Is your heart clean? If you were to stand before him right now, would it be with a clean heart? Do you have a teachable spirit? Do you have an obedient life? Those are all things that hinge upon whether we really receive what God has for us. If there's adjustments that need to be made in your life, there's decisions that need to occur, things that you need to confess and forsake, 
Why not do it this morning? Why not get it right this morning? So that you can walk out of this, this building today with the abundant, overflowing, joyful blessing that God has for you. Father, you know every heart in this building this morning. You know my heart. You know the heart of every individual. There's nothing we can hide from you, Lord. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. You know who needs to be saved here today. Oh, God, save them, I pray. You know who needs to get right with you. You need to deal with our hearts, Lord, that we might be obedient to you. While her heads are bowed and her eyes are closed and the pianist is playing, if she'd just play a verse or two softly. If you need to come, you come on this morning. Allow the Lord to speak to your heart. All well between you and the Father today, my dear friend. Oh, Lord, create us in us a clean heart, obedient, willing spirit. Today's the day to do business with God, dear friend. Some of you, your life's falling apart. You just don't understand why. I believe you've heard the reason why today. You better do business with God wise tugging at your heart. Allow God to work while you can hear Him speak. may look up if you're not saved today my dear friend easiest place in the world to go to hell from is a bible believing bible preaching church you get used to the messages you get used to the plea you get used to the sermons and pretty soon the old devil just rock you right to sleep same thing with a, as a child of god well I, you know brother Ritter, I'm, I'm not that bad i know i'm not worse should be but you know well well, what are you going to do about it? When are you going to do something about it? And you see, because my spirit and my unyieldedness and my, my hard heart, it not only affects me, it affects everybody that's in this building. Hmm? Yeah. You think about it today. And as you go home, 
You meditate on what Brother Dan has, has said today. We just praise God for the message this morning. Huh? Heaven is real. Hell is real. Spiritual victory is real. But yet, my dear friends, uh, that unrest in your heart is as real as all of it. Amen. Father, bless our time together. We thank you for the word, for the messenger. We pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God will, uh, Lord, just continue to work and to deal with each heart that revival might come. And we'll love you and thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Woo.